It has been way too long. We are back. Best ball season took a, maybe a pause, but it is back. I guess it technically never, never went away. Some of you sickos have still been, you know, doing all these in-season drafts every single week. And But now it's time. The playoffs are coming. I'm, I'm starting to get legitimately excited. I've been um, really not even super closely monitoring my teams. You know, I see a lot of people, um, a lot of you guys, a lot of really sharp people on Twitter that, you know, have done a lot better job of um, kind of tracking their teams and everything up until this point. And I have kind of tried, like, you know, especially after we lost our Lord and Savior, Darrington Evans, um, and Trey Lance, it was it was pretty obvious that Trey Lance was never going to play. <laughs> I tried to like divorce myself from seeing the ebbs and flows of of uh, you know my winnings every single week. But obviously now, you know, there's been gosh so much awesome discussion in the Discord, just even for the last few weeks already. You know, leading into the playoffs, I feel like we have a you know fairly clear idea of you know who our quote unquote league winners are how to kind of project moving forward. We probably have a pretty good idea if we went team by team on all of our teams, um, you know, which ones are basically locks to get into the playoffs and which ones, you know, maybe still have a chance. Like you could have a third place team, you know, that in theory you're like, Oh, this one's in third, but it's, you know, still a hundred or 120 points back. So it doesn't really have much of a chance. You might have first place teams that are probably going to fall out, you know? So I think we have a pretty good idea of kind of where we stand at this point um heading into the playoffs and so i think it's a perfect time to kind of start to kind of start talking about these these uh you know these teams these these players these combinations of players you know uh somebody mentioned in 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 the chat and it was a good idea that kind of inspired this this stream was to you know have you guys share some of your teams i'm actually super interested you know it's a long running joke right about you know sharing your teams and talking about best ball during the season and all that nonsense but uh, I'm like legitimately kind of interested in um, like who, you know, what your, your guys team team looks like. Hold on. Now I'm trying to share my screen. And of course, it's not cooperating. Um, let me see if I can fix that real quick. Share window. Let's try that. No. OK, not working. Um, you can tell I haven't done this in a little while, huh? My got to fix my Chrome, got to fix my Chrome uh, sharing stuff. But um, if you have Teams, if you have, I already saw like a ton of you guys have posted some awesome stuff in the Discord already. If you have Teams that you want me to kind of look at, I'm gonna go through. I'm trying to share this, obviously. I'm gonna go through um, and show my advance rates across all um, underdog and DraftKings and then um, go through a, probably a couple of just a couple of teams real real quick to kind of like get the juices flowing I got a couple of things um, you know around like uniqueness and different things I think we can talk about um, but it'll just kind of be like a free-flowing conversation from from there um, like I said I'll, I'll share my you know kind of I'll show you mine and you show me yours type of a situation in this in, in a much more appropriate manner so let me get this darn screen share figured out super quick well, this is not uh, camera google allow these apps okay Gotta love this. Gotta love this. Gotta love this. StreamYard is not cooperating uh, with me here today. Let's see if I got that fixed though. See if I can share my screen finally. All I wanna do is share this. Darn 
It might be it might be just going to uh, you guys' teams here quickly. I apologize for the technical difficulties. So one interesting thing that I'll, I'll uh, jump to this while I try to figure out these technical difficulties. We had a, if you saw, we had a kind of a really good Twitter thread the other day on kind of, it, it turned into this idea about uniqueness. It started with, um, I don't even remember what my original tweet was, but it started into um, this kind of like, you know, how, how are we thinking about the playoffs at this point, at this point in time? Hey, there we go. All right, now I need to unshare this. We got her going. That's good. But this uniqueness idea, we started myself, Mike Leone, um, and Madison Parkhill were the main guys that I'm, I remember. And I just happened to watch Madison and Leone did a stream yesterday, day before, on Establish the Run. That was really, really good. And they kind of talked a little bit about um, this whole playoff thing, right? And that's what we're, we're here to, to discuss. So let me see if I can actually get this. Darn. Stop. Share. Oh, my God. How is this not working? What a shit show this is. Absolute shit show. So anyway, we'll figure that out later. We're talking about this uniqueness idea, and I'm interested to hear what you guys have to say. So... It kind of it's difficult to have these conversations on Twitter. It's even difficult to have them like in in Discord. There's a you know super super long thread about how do we, you know, we know inherently when we get to these playoffs. You guys have talked about this. We talked about it in Discord for weeks now. We know inherently we get to these playoffs, and the entire goal is to have the best projected team, right? I want the team that has the most projected points over this. You know, basically in every single one of these little mini DFS tournaments. Every single week, I want to have the best team, right? That's like where we start, you know, JT. Uh, give me JT. Give me uh, Eckler. Give me Cup. Give me whatever. Give me Brady. Give me Fournette. But then, you know, we also inherently know that a lot of the teams advancing are going to have the same group types of players. So I would, in theory, love to have the team, you know, that is also – the lowest owned. And so how is there any way to sort of manufacture some combination of those two things when we draft? And that's a very, very difficult question to answer, right? And I think in general, the answer is largely no, but how, 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 you know, we talked about it. And I think there was a little bit of, you know, what happens on Twitter, people kind of talking past each other, but what I think is is a maybe more important, you know, more important part of the conversation is I don't want all of my portfolio of players to be attached to the same other players. And so, like, I'm not seeking out uniqueness. You know, there was a lot of conversation about, like, should you just could you just take Jonathan Taylor second overall? Like, kind of, I think taking the guy that, you know, is in the market going 17th or 20th overall, taking them second overall is taking the the search for uniqueness a little too far. I did do personally do some things such as, um, you know, Tyree kill Travis Kelsey, Devonte Adams, taking them second or third to, to kind of, you know, but those were guys I was already taking at five or six, you know, in these drafts. So it didn't really, um, change that much for me, but it was getting me again, a little bit of different pairings with, with those guys. I think seeking out uniqueness for uniqueness's sake at the, you know, in, in our most critical picks is something that is a very difficult kind of line to toe. You know what I mean? So um, I, what I think is I, I don't want all my Travis Kelsey teams to have the same next couple of players. Right. I don't want all of my Christian McCaffrey teams. You know, I know he's obviously turned to dust, Derrick Henry, whatever, whoever was the league. I don't want all my Jonathan Taylor teams right now. 
right? You have an you have X amount of Jonathan Taylor teams. You you probably feel really good about those teams. You're probably advancing a lot of them. Cooper Cup. I don't want them all to be the same. You know, that's how you start to manufacture this uniqueness and you're not even really seeking out uniqueness necessarily in terms of uniqueness for the playoffs. And so um, that's kind of how, like, I think about it. Like, I don't want the same stacks on all my teams, right? I don't want the same J I don't want JT with the same quarterbacks. I don't want, you, you know, sometimes that, you know, a lot of the times that will naturally happen over the course of drafting 150, whatever, however many teams you draft over the summer. But when you stick super, super close to ADP, you're going to get a little bit of different combinations at the beginning, but not a ton. You know what I mean? And so I, I am a little bit cognizant of that, but it's, it's not even as much so seeking out uniqueness as it is making sure that my portfolio makes the most sense, which in turn kind of starts to manufacture uniqueness for yourself. If that makes any, any, any sense. Um, yeah, we need to calculate what's the value of being unique. I mean, the, the difficult part is like, I don't, I don't know how you, I don't know how you do that. I mean, the, I guess technically, like if anything, we're, we're absolutely underselling the value of being unique in best ball. Like if, if anything, we are underselling, not having the same couple of league winners in, in, in these tournaments. I mean, the person Herzig who commented on this benefited specifically last year from this, from this exact thing. How do you get a team with enough uniqueness and enough projection through to benefit from the variance of any one given week. And that's what happened last year. Right. Or like, so Leonard Fournette just scored what four touchdowns this week. You know, if, 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 uh, if some random person, Tony Pollard, Alexander Madison, um, whoever, I I'm just throwing random names at the wall. If somebody like that is the one who scores five touchdowns in the last week and three people have them and you're one of them, the value of that is immense. Just like the value of Kamara was being immense. This, it, it, it turns into a DFS tournament, right? The, if every other team has Cooper cup being unique away from C Cooper cup is like the most valuable thing you could have in that tournament. If everyone has Jonathan Taylor, right? I get he's the highest projected, but if every single other person in that, what 125 man field or whatever it is, if they all, the, the value of uniqueness is insane. It's a super hot, top heavy tournament, dude. You got to, like, you got to finish what top 25 to make like 10 grand or something like that. Like, like it's crazy. And so unique that if anything, we are in my, I undervalue it too, under or undervaluing pure in a vacuum uniqueness. The issue is how do you manufacture it? The issue isn't like, how valuable even is uniqueness that's part of it for sure but like i think we i mean we've played again these are not this is this is not dfs but we we've had small field dfs tournaments for years and years and years we uh we we generally understand the game theory aspect of of that that's not solved but it's been somewhat solved what we but we know how to manufacture that uniqueness right don't play X chalky player, leverage off of X chalky player, but we don't have those options in best ball. And so I think it's a two-parter in that we do want to value how we do want to understand the value of uniqueness, but we also want to like figure out, is there even a way for us to manufacture it? And I don't know if we can. I, like I, I'm not, I, I, I don't know if we can, but I do know I want to find a way from within my portfolio to develop you know the ability to create that uniqueness if that if that makes any sense and you're you're not I, I i guess you know if you draft aj brown on every christian mccaffrey team that could still turn in into uniqueness but when i was like posting that stuff on twitter i wasn't even necessarily thinking about like oh how do i go about getting uniqueness into the tournament i'm going about like how do i manage my portfolio the best way um to hopefully allow me to take advantage of that. Like, I don't want all my Jonathan Taylor teams to look the same. I would like to get this, you know, if he truly is the guy you have to have, right. I want to have a bunch of different guys around him, not the same guy. You know, I, I don't want the same second and third round pick with Jonathan Taylor, the same fifth round pick with Jonathan Taylor. Obviously some of that of the nuance of drafting will be figured out on its own, but 
I do think there are smart ways that we can go about that. Particularly, you know, you get that like at the, at, you know, when you when you're picking first or second or something like that, the two, three turn, the four or five turn are always so, so similar that you run into that. And then you run into the fact that you can't have certain stacks, right? We talked about that in the off season with like Christian McCaffrey. If, if Christian McCaffrey was, um, you know, the true, true league winner, you couldn't get Cowboy stacks with him. Not with CD and Amari, not unless you reached, but like we all know inherently you wanted Cowboy stacks and we all know inherently that you wanted CMC. But if you just stuck to ADP and didn't manufacture that, you know, unique blend of players, you're not going to have that that team. And th- there's no real reason other than this construct of ADP that we shouldn't have, um, you know, those pairings of, of, you know, options together. Yeah, it definitely it. it we definitely don't. So th- there's so many parts to this. It's such a fun conversation. It's such an interesting thought, thought experiment, thought experiment. Um, hold on. There was something else too. This is also true. I have a, I, I was trying to pull up. I'm like, I'm going to keep going t- to, to try to get this darn. Uh, uh, yeah, apparently I've forgot how to use the internet in the, uh, in the last few weeks of not streaming on Roto Grinders, I got somebody that does all this fun stuff for me. Why is and now this is not even working? What a shit show. What an absolute shit show. Let me see if I can. If I share this, you guys are gonna listen to me talk like a boomer. Absolute disaster. Pause. All right, we're gonna have to come back for me sharing some of the some of these teams because I don't know what's going on with StreamYard not cooperating. But we'll just talk through some of this stuff, and then we'll come back. I was planning on doing another one of these on Monday or Tuesday. We can push the uh, kind of going through the specific teams and going through uh, me sharing some of those on, on Monday or Tuesday. We'll get to that. But the uniqueness thing, great conversation. So let's finish that up first. Um, very easy to manufacture uniqueness. I, I don't, I don't know that that's, that that's as it's very easy to manufacture uniqueness without giving up substantial value at the beginning of the season and hurting your advance odds. I don't know if that's true either. Um, I think taking a guy who goes six picks later, like, I mean, we're seeing this play out in real time. Cooper cup is the wide receiver one. Jonathan Taylor is the running back one, Austin Eckler, whatever. If you took those guys five picks ahead of ADP, I don't think that that matters. Um, I think we over, we're, we're, we're very much so tethered to, uh, ADP at the beginnings at the beginning of, of drafts as it pertains to like a handful of picks, right? If you're taking guys multiple rounds. Uh, so like when I'm talking about uniqueness, like, yeah, you, you, you can manufacture uniqueness, but that's not, that's like uniqueness isn't valuable in and of itself. Uniqueness in a smart way is valuable, right? In DFS uniqueness is valuable so long as you are not giving up so much projection, like anybody can manufacture uniqueness. When I'm talking about manufacturing uniqueness, I mean it in a, in a way that you're not giving up projection. And I do think we are so tethered to ADP at the beginning of drafts when like someone please tell me what the real difference, what the real true difference between Justin Jefferson and DeAndre Hopkins was. And one went 12 picks before the other guy or Calvin Ridley. We all liked Calvin Ridley. I know his unfortunate uh, situation is a little bit more, more unique. What was the difference between Jonathan Taylor and you know pick some of these first round running backs in terms of their range of outcomes i mean we're seeing right obviously these are cherry picked examples from this one small sample and 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 you know but it's it the it's the point is within a certain uh you know they're all but there are like if you're taking Najee harris in the first round right if you're taking ceh in the first round we're reaching too far because those guys don't have um, that same level of projectability, you know, Chris Carson, whatever you're taking some of those guys, you know, you take, um, 
honestly, probably if you took Cooper Cup over, you know, Tyree Kill or whatever, that is giving up too much projection. But there's this delicate balance of finding uniqueness without giving up projection. And um, it's a, it's, it's a, it's, it's, it, that's the story. That's it. I want to have the most unique teams in, in I want to make the championship and I want to have the most unique teams once I get there. How do I do that? You know, and there isn't really an answer. You know, I certainly don't have an answer as of, as of yet, but um, I think it's a fascinating thing to discover. And the, the hardest part is I don't know that we're at least not in the next few years going to have a real answer because like you can't ever truly draw what you think you can draw from one season. Um, you know, that's the hard part. Like we can look back at last year and be like, okay, this is the skeleton key. Well, now look at this year. It's different. Every year is going to be different. And so drawing too much from our individual seasons results is it's the most difficult part of best ball, but it's also what makes these conversations the most fun is, um, there's, we could argue about merit to just about everything. And we could argue against just about everything. And there's like never a sample of data that, that can like solve any of these questions. And then maybe by the time it does get solved, the market has adapted and adjusted, right? There will become a time. We talk about the running backs and wide receivers thing. There might become a time where the running back dead zone is not, is not a real thing, Right because the market becomes so efficient that the Mike Davises of the world are no longer dead zone backs. They go where they should go, right? Round 10 or whatever. But when they go in the fifth round, it's like, okay, they're only going there because everyone loves. But if the once the market becomes so efficient, which like underdog is, you know, it's obviously not there, but it, it's certainly trending much closer to that. Well, then the whole game changes. And all these strict, you know, these zero running back and, and running back dead zone conversations and stuff that we have, don't apply. it's not applicable anymore. You know, so that's the most, that, it's so fascinating. Um, it's so fascinating. Let's see. If I took them in the later half of the round, I would reach for Jefferson AJB. If I took them two through four, I would draft more ADP value, setting up more unique combos. That's the other thing. If you're, you know, if you're doing one team, if you're drafting one team in one of these tournaments, right? Honestly, draft whoever the hell you want. Um, but, I would typically, I talked about this a lot during the off season. I want to soak as much value out of every team as I could, right? I want to be able to pick off. I, I, you can partially manufacture uniqueness in your portfolio this way. It's like when that guy falls, you know, just keep trying to soak up that value. Keep trying to get, you know, get the random Kansas city stack. When Mahomes falls to the fifth round, get whatever. When Dak's plummeting, right? Oh my gosh. So-and-so fell to the eighth round this time. Now I'm going to take him instead of, instead of doing it the opposite way. But I do think we're, we're often too tethered to the early, you know, early first two rounds, maybe two and a half rounds this year, about the first two and a half rounds. And like most of those guys are really not that different. Honestly, probably besides CMC, you, we could argue that there's like, <laughs> what is the difference between most of those guys? Um, I think that the tier, probably Kelsey in the tier of, top elite wide receivers is maybe a little bit different, but um, I think, I, I, I think it's, it's super fascinating. It's super fascinating to, uh, I mean, I, I, I do want to say this is, this is, this is not, not true because projections are um, we know, we know, we know that they'll be wrong, but it's a projection is a range of outcomes. Um, it's not about just a, one binary number projection is you know jonathan taylor the projection is going to be wrong about him but when you get both a floor and a ceiling from an entire team you know 18 rounds or whatever um and you have the most loaded team across all of those guys um it's such a such a massive massive advantage that you absolutely want to have the best the best projection if, if at all possible right but then there's other factors i want correlation Right. And I want low ownership. And so how do I get all of those things um, is the fun is the fun kind of part of it. This is another one. Justin brings up the hand handcuff discussion is is such a such an interesting one, too. Um, I remember talking about this with Davis, with Davis Maddock um, towards the end of best ball draft season, where 
you know, I think it's kind of like the ADP thing, but for so long it has been just assumed of how these things work. Right. Um, I've been against the handcuff thing. I basically didn't ever draft it. I, I, I still don't even know um, that I have a truly fully formed opinion on it, but there there's reason like, so look at this Zeke and Pollock thing. Look at this Dalvin and, you know, Dalvin's going to like come back for the playoffs probably. And Madison might have like, you know, six RB one weeks and help get you there. And then Dalvin comes back, you know, so there's so many different things that I want to be open to and have these kinds of like incredible discussions about, because, you know, you guys are coming at something from a different angle than I'm coming at it from. You guys are posing even different questions than I'm necessarily posing, or I'm trying to think about things differently. And like, that's the most like interesting part of all this to me, as we now head into these, into these playoffs. Um, yeah. So I think I definitely am probably not explaining this very well and we'll, we'll get away from the projection and, and, uh, and get into some of the playoff talk here in, in just a second. And I apologize, apologize for this, not going quite according to plan, but such is life. So it is, it's more whether you can wait to get the guy on your your next p next next pick. A hundred percent. The problem is, you know, that's why you don't take Cooper Cup in the first round because you don't need to take him in the first round. But there becomes a tipping point where, um, you know, you 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 don't know that that person is is going to be there, and then you have the element of a different combination of players within your portfolio which also might be a little bit unique in the field that you, you start weighing all these different factors. Like, you know, I'm doing 150, right. I have like, I have it up here. So I apologize. I have 630 teams on um, underdog and DraftKings across all 630 of those. Every time I get X player, I don't want it to be with the next two players because I stuck to ADP, right? And so I, I then I I also in turn don't want it to be just a handful of guys that are all, all similar, right? So you start to get into this thing that I don't want all the stacks to be the same. I want to be able to set up different stacks with with those guys. Like we're heading into these playoff weeks. Now well, let's start to talk about those because it's actually kind of a, a perfect lead-in. So Jonathan Taylor and probably Cooper Cup are the best, you know, pretty much confirmed the best two like you know elite options to have on your teams right if you took cooper cup in the fourth round or whatever depends on you know he did get on underdog probably up to the late excuse me the late third once we had the wide receiver mania but i remember at the very he was like a fit i have i have some super super early bbm teams cooper cup in the fifth round and jonathan taylor you know, actually, Jonathan Taylor, oddly enough, went the opposite way, right? He was probably about the seventh overall pick, eighth overall pick, and then he fell um, to the second round. So anyway, you have an, an exorbitant amount of teams advancing with those guys. If you took a bunch of a myriad of, com of combinations of different players around those guys, right? So you have 10% or whatever. Jonathan Taylor <clears throat> out of, you know, you're doing what I'm doing. You're drafting 600 teams or, or you're drafting 150 teams in BBM. And so you have 10% Jonathan Taylor. So you have 15 Jonathan Taylor teams. I want to have is like, like the advance rate on those teams is going to be huge. You have such an advantage with Jonathan Taylor. So then how do I optimize myself for those playoffs? Right. This is the fun. This is this is when we start to have this 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 fun conversation. Uh, I'm trying to pull up the Discord as well here. And like, I, I want Jonathan Taylor teams, of course. I want Jonathan Taylor teams. Who doesn't? I wish I had more. I wish I had more Jonathan Taylor teams. But like, I don't. We have. We all have what we have in terms of JT teams. And so then 
you know, if you're advancing 10 Jonathan Taylor teams, I'm just throwing a random number because it's easy. It's, it's easy math. Would you rather have, like, how do you want those teams to be structured? Right? What, what can help me best win in the playoffs with Jonathan Taylor, on my, with Jonathan Taylor on my team, knowing that I'm probably going to run into a lot of other Jonathan Taylor teams at each step of the way, at each step of the way. And so this, this idea of, of uniqueness is such a fascinating one because it's like you advance and you're going to play what 12, 12 teams or whatever. It, it's legitimately possible. You could run into those, those 12 teams. And like, I don't know, six of them have Jonathan Taylor. And so if you advance that Jonathan Taylor team, how do you get an edge over not only the, the Jonathan Taylor teams, but also the non-Jonathan Taylor teams. Well, over the non-Jonathan Taylor teams, it's probably, you definitely have a projection edge, right? You have a, you, you have a projection edge because you have the best asset in all of fantasy on your team, also with a really nice playoff schedule. So he's going to project really well. But then like, so kind of like this, this idea we were talking about earlier in terms of different, having different pairings with my Jonathan Taylor. Like I don't want all my Jonathan Taylor teams to look alike. And this is not an easy exercise to do. Hopefully we're working on some tool stuff to help us. Spike week is going to be building some tools this off season to help us with these types of issues that we struggle with. But like who was on all my Jonathan Taylor teams, you know, because it doesn't have to be, just my core players, right? Like Antonio, I have more Antonio Gibson than I have Jonathan Taylor, RIP me. But I, I want to look at like, then like, so, uh, you know, I'm on, I'm on the clock. Jonathan Taylor is the best pick. Okay. So I take Jonathan Taylor. Then my next pick, I would love to be able to have up next to me, like, okay, who, who's all on my, all my Jonathan Taylor teams? Because maybe this time, instead of taking, you know, I would, I would always take, Whoever. I would always take Allen Robinson here, <laughs> right? Hopefully nobody has uh, too many Allen Robinson teams. I would always take Allen Robinson here, but hmm, the, uh, the last three times I took Jonathan Taylor, I took Allen Robinson. Well, I don't want Jonathan. I don't want, I don't want all my guys to be paired up the same. So maybe now, you know, I reach a little bit and I take Amari Cooper. I take Cooper cup, right? I take someone like that. I take Tyler to lock it. I reach a little bit to get, to get one of those guys to start creating those, those pairings. This I do actually um, kind of agree with. It's all for fun. We're obviously trying to, trying to win money. That's the reason why we're talking about all this as much as we are, but um, ultimately, you know, it's entertainment, right? So, if you're not enjoying it, like I, I legitimately enjoy these, these conversations. I enjoy um, the strategy behind uh, all of it. That's why I end up in Twitter threads with super other, other very smart people like Leone and Madison and other people that were involved in that thread talking about these kinds of things uh, and talking and talking to you guys. All right. So let's start diving into some of these questions. We talked about uniqueness and all this bullshit for long enough. Jack asked a great question. If you could swap JT in all of your advancing teams for someone else, would you? If he's 50%, if he's in 50% of advancing teams and we look at it like a DFS tournament, you probably wouldn't play a 50% rostered JT. That is a really fun question. So I probably haven't thought it through enough. I'm going to, I'm going to try to like backdoor this. Okay. So the, in, in the, in the, the final week, where the money gets paid out. I would not want JT. Not that I wouldn't want him, obviously. I would want, the ideal would be to get it. If he is 50% in that, I would want to get a non-JT team through. Because if, right, anything happens. He gets banged up. Just has a bad game. Certainly no one is expecting it, but shit happens. It's the NFL. And in this, the the returns are going to be so massive. So massive. If a guy like that fails and he's on 50% of the teams. I also think with a guy like him, so many teams... I think the percentage could compound 
basically. Because we know inherently so many of, let's let's just, again, use the example of Jonathan Taylor and Cooper Cup. They're such league winners, right? They really are. And freaking Lenny is, Fournette is, is uh, creeping his way into that conversation as well. We have these guys that are like, just like lapping the field. Cup has slowed down a little bit, but JT is like pretty much starting to lap the field for net from a value perspective is probably doing that as well. That like, there's going to be a really, really large amount of those guys. And so then we know a lot of teams are going to get through with Jonathan Taylor. That's to the first just advanced period, right? Because you only got to finish top two. Like a lot of JT teams are definitely going to be advancing. Same thing with Cup. It's hard to kill a JT team. It's hard to kill Cooper. I'm sure I got some really bad ones, but it's hard to kill those guys uh, with just how bad, you know, the top few rounds have been overall. If you hit that massively on that early round guy. So anyway, it's going to like compound, right? So I know, in, I know I don't want to have him if he's 50% in the last week. And if anything, if he smashes throughout the entire playoffs, it's going to be like, all JT, like it could be way higher than 50%. He could be him and or cup or, or both or some combination. Then we really start, you really want to start galibrating this stuff. What percentage of pairings of those guys get through? How many are JT and cup teams? How many are, how many are the same stacks? How many are the same quarterbacks? How many are Tra- maybe Travis Kelsey blows up for the first couple of weeks, right? And you could absolutely have Travis Kelsey, Jonathan Taylor, Cooper Cup teams. D- do you want those teams? Sure, you want to get there, right? But then, like, if I'm totally optimizing, obviously, everybody always says, and I agree with this, even though I often push back. I just get there. Chip in a chair, dude. Give me a one and a whatever shot at a million. I'm in. However, if I'm really, truly, like, choose, if I get to choose and optimize those those teams, these thought experiments are, are, are fun. It's like, that's the, the, Dalvin is a fascinating one, right? Dalvin is a fa- absolutely fascinating one. It's like, he's going to be hurt. He hasn't even been like, he's difficult because even, even when he's healthy, it's not like he's like having smash weeks, but we know he has it in him to score three touchdowns in a week or whatever, you know, hundred yards and three touchdowns. Absolutely. We know that's in there. And we know he's had a bad year relatively um, for the number two overall pick. He's had a bad year. And now he's about to be hurt for the next couple of weeks, probably back maybe for the first round. We're not even sure when he's going to be back. Right. But like, how is it possible for me to get it, be the only one that gets a Dalvin cook team through. And now you're just like, I'll have Dalvin cook. If Dalvin cook beats JT, I have a leg up on those teams. Like, like it's not that simple. Again, I'm like almost always oversimplifying, but you get the point, right? Like if I'm the one, all I need is this one thing to happen. And that gives me an, an edge, right? Dalvin Cook needs to beat Jonathan Taylor. And like we, obviously Jonathan Taylor projects better than Dalvin Cook does right now. We don't even know when Dalvin's going to be back, but months ago, we never would have said, oh, yeah, Dalvin Cook is a huge dog to JT. And he's a big dog now, but not that big of a dog. So I'd be happy to take that coin flip, I think, 100%. Um, oh, I clicked the wrong wrong one. Um, so I don't know if that other one I 100% agree with. We'll see. In the finals, you really want to own the guys that didn't go up. Yeah, exactly. So how do you do that? Like, cause you need your guys to score points in 15 and 16, but how do you, so how do you advance without having all the same guys that everybody else has? It's such a fascinating uh, kind of conversation. And so this is where the uniqueness thing comes in a little bit. And I don't know how you manufacture this part either, but I think it's mostly structure. I'm almost certain. Um, that the way to manufacture this, and I'll, I'll say, I'll get to it in a second. The best way to manufacture this type of uniqueness, I'm almost certain is structure. So um, this is not talking about weeks 15 and 16, but talking about guys 
maybe with super low advance rates. Let's take Brandon Ayuk. Brandon Ayuk has been maybe the worst fifth round pick. One of the worst. Well, horrible, right? Terrible pick. George Kittle, his teammate, horrible. Um, who else? Odell, awful, right? Dreadful year. Uh, Claypool, bad, right? So there's these guys. How, like, I, I, I want some of those guys, particularly like Ayuk, maybe Odell, Claypool. I want those guys on my teams that advance because I know that their advance rates are going to be so low. And we know that they have they have upside. So that's not talking about Greg's point of weeks 15 and 16, but also how can I get to how can I get to the the, the part where either A, I have the guys that didn't go off in weeks 15 or 16, or I have guys that go off in weeks 15 and 16, but nobody else has them. And it's those guys. And so this is a different level of uniqueness, right? Basically, guys who busted Dalvin Cook. We just talked about Dalvin Cook. Like Odell is a massive buff. Absolutely massive bust. But if you somehow got Odell through on a team to the playoffs, well, now he's on the Rams. A, he can catch two touchdowns, of course. You know, Claypool can score two touchdowns. Brandon Ayuk is about to play without Debo. Granted, Debo will be back. But who knows? Maybe Debo gets banged up again. Debo was another league winner. Now you have Brandon Ayuk going through, or George Kittle. Um, and so it's, it's kind of – so anyway, the structure thing. How do you get to the point where you can advance teams that have Brandon Ayuk? And in my, it's all structure. If you structured your teams poorly, really hard to whiff on on picks, particularly high value high value picks. If you draft structurally sound, um, you know. So let's take the two the ones that everybody always always wants to talk about: zero running back or robust running back and you take your four running backs on your robust teams whenever you draft them you know whatever four in the first six or seven rounds you have so many wide receivers then right so let's say you two four ten two would be your structure on underdog with that you take those you 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 might be able to you know if you hit on cup you hit on Debo, you know, you stacked up the Niners. You hadn't, maybe hopefully you didn't play pick Lance, but like, you know, you, you hit, maybe you hit Debo and you hit Cup, you hit Mike Williams, hit Kendrick Bourne. You can absolutely advance a Brandon Ayuk team through. You can advance an Odell team through. You can advance a Claypool team through. You know, it's really not that big of a deal. If you, you know, you, you structure your team poorly, right? You take some early running backs, you mix some stuff in, you take, extra tight ends, even though you took Kelsey, you did, you know, you do some bad things. It's it, then it becomes like impossible to, to get through that. Cause you don't have enough bullets in the chamber to, to make up for where you missed zero running back. Right. Stefan Diggs has not been a total smash. I have a bunch of Stefan Diggs teams advancing because the opposite, you know, the, the same, but the opposite, I have all this wide receiver firepower, He's doing enough to get in some, some usable weeks, but he's certainly not smashing his price. But I have all these elite wide receivers. And then I have, you know, you just hit on a couple, you know, you hit on Henderson, you hit on Dylan, you hit on Fournette. You know, I didn't hit on Fournette. I think I have two Fournette teams across 600 uh, best ball teams. Yikes. Big yikes. Uh, but you know what I mean? It We talk about that all the time. Make up for, you know, your, your, lack of quality with quantity in certain spots, certain spots. And then if you structure your, you know, that's why people would always talk about these, like I'm taking four quarterbacks. And like, I know some of it is a bit, but like when you see these people taking four quarterbacks or even like taking three, when you took an elite guy, this is, this, this is how you give up the ability to create these unique teams in the playoffs because you can't overcome the, the guys who fail. Right. This is why we talk about winning through structure all during the off season is because we get to this point right now. We're two weeks out from the playoffs, and we want to talk about how the hell do I win the, the playoffs, right? How can I win the playoffs? Well, then we start to talk about the uniqueness thing, and then and it all comes back to structure. If you did the right things when you structured your teams, sure, you're going to whiff, dude. You're going to have misses. But the structure is what allows you to kind of sneak these unique combinations of players through. So um, let's see here. 
It's even more compounded when you think about very low roster guys. Oh man, say Allen Robinson. That is a that wouldn't that be something? An Allen Robinson playoff explosion. How owned do you think Allen Robinson will be? How how what what advance rate do you think Allen Robinson has? Because a lot of the times you you would have to have probably like J definitely JT or Eckler or I guess Mixon. Probably. And, or zero you could have a zero running, you know, you, you hit on a zero running back team and you get, you know, Debo and, and Tyreek and Jefferson and that kind of stuff. Or Kelsey. You might be able to get in at Allen Robinson, but he's got to have like one of the lowest, probably, um advance rates. But this is also true. Whatever his advance rate is, he 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 smashes, and those teams are going to advance because they're you know nobody has. It's such an interesting thought experiment to get through. Dalvin two two weeks of rest and then smash and then smash for the playoffs. He's a fascinating one. I have I have him. I, I tweeted about it. Super tilting. I don't know. You guys share um, any of any of these. Yeah, there's Hacker posted a Dalvin uh, a Dalvin team that that's alive. Dalvin is such a good one. But I posted about like I was really excited before Christian McCaffrey went down. But I was really excited for I was actually advancing. I have hold on, sorry, I want to get the exact number. Um, I have 26 advancing BBM teams out of 108. So I only did 108 BBMs because I was focused on maxing the DraftKings stuff. At the end. So I have 26 teams and nine of them have either Christian McCaffrey or, or Dalvin Cook. And I was like, this is amazing. You know, I'm getting through a team. They obviously don't have Jonathan Taylor. They obviously don't have Austin Eckler. Um, I think there was a little bit of mixing um, on those teams. But like, honestly, those teams have been crappy at running back. But you sneak that guy through right now. Christian McCaffrey is out. So the Christian McCaffrey teams are, are dead. But Dalvin is a really, really interesting one to think about having. And he's like the, almost like the synopsis of this whole conversation is like, would I, would you rather have JT's projection? Of course. How much worse is Dalvin's projection? How much worse is Dalvin's projection than JT when we get to those playoff weeks? Probably not. You're giving up a couple points, five, four, four or five points in median projection, probably in ceiling as well. But like on any given week, would anyone be surprised if Dalvin Cook had 100 yards and two touchdowns? And JT just said, these dogs are going crazy. Apparently they're also Dalvin fans. Somebody asked earlier in the chat, it's really funny. I should go back. When do the dogs make an appearance? And if you're 48 minutes in is the answer. 40, 48 minutes in is, uh, there we go. <laughs> when, when when the dog's gonna take part in the video? There, there, there they are. Jay White, yes, man, it has. It's been it's it's been a it's been a long time. So I'm trying to bounce back and forth between. Uh, uh, what is going on here? Allow these. Oh. Oh, I think I think I finally I think I finally. Uh, Figured out my screen share. We'll see. Oh no, I can't because it's going to make me restart. Restart Chrome. Okay, let's get back to some of these questions. Structure and correlation. Yeah, so correlation. Another perfect uh, thing to talk about with 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 those playoff weeks. How many teams that are structured well enough to get again? Let's say Brandon Ayuk or Odell through. Odell also. Who, who mentioned that? Jack said that. Odell is he, he he he's great leverage off of Cup that should be a uh, my dogs are wrestling right next to me they're literally wrestling unbelievable absolutely unbelievable uh, but uh, so Odell is fascinating you know obviously you couldn't plan for like a Ram stack with with Odell but if you happen to sneak through you know Stafford Cup Odell. That's pretty, that's pretty, pretty interesting. But the correlation thing is like, so how many of these teams do you think are able to, again, using the Odell or Iuke or Claypool or something example, how many do you think that are able to get through that type of player, Allen Robinson, and then in turn have 
you know, the, the correlation that you, you, you all, right? We know, we know that we want stacks just in general, quarterback, quarterback, uh, you know, wide receiver type stacks. Hold on. My freaking dog is like legitimately injured. So I've been taking care of his ass all week. He can barely get up off the ground. And he's over here <laughs> apparently from sleeping all week. He's got a boatload of energy dudes on three legs trying to wrestle his brother. Absolute, absolute shit show, these dogs. Uh, so the, that's the correlation thing. I'm really fascinated to see what happens in the playoffs. It's like, I'm, I'm a little bit of a, a sick fish, you know, I'm, I, I want to win, of course, but you want to see some of these things play themselves out, right? It's like the correlation thing. How many teams you think are getting through that don't have, you know, got naked Tom Brady, you know, we know that people are stacking quite a bit, but then when you start to compound all these things that we know are edges, like how many are structured appropriately, like particularly structured appropriately to be able to sneak through Odell, sneak through Brain and Ayuk, sneak through whoever. Like it doesn't even have to be those guys. Sneak through Dalvin Cook, right? How do you get a Dalvin Cook th- team through? Well, you ha- you obviously get lucky on, you know, your your other running backs, and not even just like getting. It's the other thing people don't think about is like my highest scoring team. I think on underdog, my highest scoring team on underdog is not my best team. You just get lucky on sometimes the weeks when people score it does have madison right it has madison and it has uh oh it's it's actually a anchor joe mixon team so no jonathan taylor but it, it I, you it smashed every wide receiver right i think tyreek cooper cup debo mike williams you know just a, a Rondale, you know, just an absolute smash of, 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 of wide receivers. No, so this is dry. anyway, not important. Smashed wide receivers and the running backs. I was looking at it like earlier today, preparing for this. And I'm like, how the hell is this my highest scoring team? But then you start to like look through the weeks. Devontae Booker is one of the running backs. I think it's Madison, Devontae Booker, and like, Chase Edmonds and Joe Mixon or something like that at running back, like not good. But when you start to map, go through it, it's like, well, I just use Mixon's score every week. He's pretty much good. Most almost, almost every week. He was good. Then well, Madison's had, you know, two monster games and then he luck boxed the touchdown here and there. Right. Devontae Booker had usable weeks, multiple weeks while Saquon is out. It's like the way best ball points are scored sometimes can just, happen to benefit a specific team and it could happen to you could have a team that you're like holy shit this team is loaded right i hit on um you know xyz and i got madison coming up or i got pollard i got all these things but you're like you're in fifth place and you're drawing dead just because sometimes the scores don't align right obviously if you've hit cup and you've hit jt you've hit enough things debo you know you're you're probably just advancing but like what if your quarterback's got her what if you drafted ryan fitzpatrick and trey lance like I have Ryan Fitzpatrick and Trey Lance teams, <laughs> you know, not dead. What if you drafted Sam Darnold and Trey Lance teams, Sam Darnold and Justin Fields, you could, you could have drafted Sam Darnold and Tua who both, you know, like at, at different points throughout the year looked like awesome, awesome picks, right? Tua just keeps cranking out 15 to 20 point games every week, which is pretty nice. Hope wish we had a little bit better ceiling, but like just keeps putting out usable weeks, but then he, but he got hurt. He missed time. Sam Darnold was like the QB four through the first month of the season and then ref- becomes even worse than old Sam Darnold was. Right. And like that team at one point in time looked like that was going to be your best team. But now, you know, because guys got hurt, it still might've been able to get through if Tua didn't get hurt, but you gave up so many points in the month that Tua missed or whatever. You know, there, there's the nuance of how the points are scored is, 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 is super fascinating. All right. Good, very good one. Metcalf, DK, DK and Lockett. No, especially Metcalf is is an interesting one because like if, you know, Metcalf was getting taken over, um, you know, like Justin Jefferson. (laughs) Hopefully people didn't take him over Jonathan Taylor, but, you know, he wasn't that, you know, Joe, he was in the same range as Joe Mixon. He's the same range as Justin Jefferson. And those guys have just so far out exceeded 
his uh, his uh, you know production. But you 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 get him through, and the Seattle ever figures it out. We know what his upside is. It's huge, right? Yeah, this is this is true. A Rob teams are probably mostly paired with the first round bus. Yeah, since he was you know what early third early third round, which you know in turn would be the early early first first round guys, which all of the early first round running backs are awful <laughs> or hurt or both. <laughs> uh, RIP. RIP to Darnold. It was a fun month. I enjoyed uh, posting Sam Darnold GIFs uh, every game when he would run for another touchdown. Pro- in, in hindsight, it probably should have been a, a strong indicator that what he was doing was unsustainable when he was leading the NFL in rushing touchdowns. But damn, it wasn't fun at the time when uh, you know he was one of my favorite late-round quarterbacks. And D on, on DraftKings, yeah, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. That's true. That's true. I, I luckily, knock on wood, uh, was able to mostly avoid the Allen Robinson thing. My obsession with CeeDee Lamb uh, and the Cowboys led me to uh, lots of Cowboys over, over Allen Robinson. All right, I'm going to try to hop in the Discord to see if there's any questions. I know you guys have teams. I'm going to save all. I'm literally going to take these, put them in a, 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 a Google Slides or something or PowerPoint or whatever um, and save these teams and we'll we'll redo this kind of uh, show. But it's, you know, a little technical difficulty. We've been off for a couple of months. But uh, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back and try to hit some more of these questions. My highest on wide receiver last night was fun. Um, let's see. Lots of good, lots of teams, lots of teams. There was a question that I know that I missed. <clears throat> Do, do, do. Biggest hits and busts, Kurt asks. Biggest hits and busts in your portfolio, teams you're most excited about, lessons learned, all suggestions. Um, okay, so I do want to talk about, I'm going to compare or like pull together biggest hits and busts with lessons learned. And then we'll do the teams, like teams you're most excited about. We'll move that one to the beginning of next week. So obviously <laughs> Darrington Evans was uh, my biggest bust. He's my highest owned player. And uh, I don't really have any regrets. Um, but obviously that, did, that didn't work. I also took too much, but that was on purpose. I was uh, doing a little bit of personal branding, drafting an exorbitant amount of Darrington. But I also think... Um, it's interesting, you know, guys that are like busts um, that, you know, you, like you actually wouldn't change anything about what, what you did. And I think that's a lot. I think I think my greatest regrets are typically in the guys that I did not take um, than in the guys that I did take. And maybe that's a little bit of stubbornness. I'm going to think about that a lot over the offseason and kind of try to really dig in on what, you know, was good process versus uh, bad process, you know, good luck versus bad luck type of thing. But I think Darrington, I mean, everything that has played out other than the fact that AJ Brown and Julio also can't get hurt. Like, I mean, I, I wrote a piece about like, okay, let's think about these scenarios in terms of like, what if the unpredictable happens, right? Nobody was ever considering early in the off season, you know, Darrington's obviously ADP shot through the roof for a little while there, but like what happens if Derek Henry gets hurt? Right. Cause he never has. And so since it's, since it's not something we've seen, right. We've seen what happens when Zeke's out. We've seen what happens when Matt, when uh, Dalvin is out, right. Et cetera, et cetera. And so, but we haven't seen without Derrick Henry really. And then not in this environment also because Darrington wasn't able to, to stay healthy. But then we saw like, I mean, Jeremy, there was a time Derrick Henry was the RB one by a lot. And Jeremy McNichols was like the RB 35 in PPR because he was still getting passing down work and stuff. And now look, Dontrell Hilliard, they had Dontrell Hilliard 
and Deontay Foreman, two guys not on the team even a month ago, both ran for 100 yards in a game, right? And so there was just so much juice to squeeze out of that backup situation. Obviously, um, I thought the best bet was Darrington, and it remains to be seen if that was true or not. You know, So I could have been absolutely wrong, but I think the process of targeting that situation, that's the thing that um, – I'm trying to think about the most is like um, targeting situations and archetypes of players, you know, whether it be team situation or whatever that um, can pay you off. Right. And so the other one that I think about that's like both a hit and a miss in this super bizarre way uh, is the 49ers. Like the, so like the, the Titans, you know, the Darrington thing obviously became a big, big thing for me. But the 49ers, just an overall uh, investment in the 49ers was like, that was probably my biggest stand of the year. I just wanted all the 49ers. I didn't, you know, Debo was my favorite pick, cost adjusted. Obviously, Lance is the quarterback, so he gets his share of ownership. But I wanted the 49ers. I feel good about that. (laughs) It happens to be Eli Mitchell. Maybe there's a case that I should have taken excuse me, some Eli Mitchell in the last round. I think that's something I'll think about in the offseason. But like that stance, Debo is my second highest home wide receiver. That stance led me to getting tons of Debo, right? Look at what Mitchell's doing. Obviously that it's clear that never was going to be Sermon, but that could have been Mostert. I drafted a good share of Mostert, right? And I, I, I feel really good, honestly, about what Trey Lance would have done if he got in there. And so George Kittle and Ayuk have been bust, but Debo has been one of the best picks in all fantasy. You know, if you happen to extrapolate it over to Eli Mitchell. So it's this weird one where it's like, it led me to a bunch of whiffs, but it also led me to some weak winners. So that's like kind of a good and bad thing. And I'm okay with that too. I'm okay with that, with that approach. Antonio Gibson. I'm not, I'm, I don't want to spoil. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to talk. Well, we can talk about him on Monday. Cause he'll have played. He'll, he'll have played on Sunday. Let's talk about him, him, him on Monday. But uh, I think he has a chance here to be one of the guys that doesn't have a good advance rate because he was like in a similar range to JT. I do have a couple of from early in the offseason when I took JT in the first round with Gibson that I'm really excited about. But I think um, obviously J, JD McKissick is out this week, but I also think the schedule lines up real nice for Gibson down down the stretch. And if there isn't anything uh, potentially wrong with McKissick, um, I think he could be, you know, this guy that's also low owned in these playoffs that, you know, is smashing. Uh, let me go through a couple of these real quick. Sorry, now the wife is vacuuming. It's just a shit show here. It's an absolute shit show. Um, oh, I meant to click this one. Drafting guys with high floors, like Melvin Gordon. I think Melvin Gordon um, made a lot of sense in, in particular in certain structures and when his uh, cost got to a, a, a certain level. You know, he was a little bit higher, and then the wide receiver mania happened. And he, you know, he was similar to Lenny, right? Um, I actually got a couple of Melvin Gordon shares. Uh, in those times, and he's been really helpful on teams, particularly like zero running back teams, because he just gets it, and he never does anything super crazy. He's not like awesome, but Melvin Gordon could be another fascinating thing to think about. Melvin Gordon could be if Melvin was only on teams that made structural sense for Melvin to be on, which I actually I actually think is a lot more zero running back or anchor running back teams. If Melvin was only on those, I think his advance rate would be massive. Problem is, not everybody drafts structurally sound, particularly as it pertains to individual players. You might draft structurally sound, but you might not draft the right archetypes of players. I mean, I make the mistakes too. It's not that easy. Uh, so that's a that's a that's a, a fascinating thing. Um, let's see here. Uh, no, it didn't. But um, it certainly that that, cer- that certainly doesn't hurt. Um, I think that is about it. All right. So like I said, thank you guys for hanging out. This is a lot of fun to get back on. Uh, apologies for the technical difficulties. I wanted to do 
um, kind of, re of, a, of a review anyway, uh, early next week. And so we can kind of see how Sunday plays out and we will uh, get back into this on, on Monday. I'm going to have all your teams saved and we'll just start scrolling through some of those and I'll go through my advance rates. I'll go through some of my teams and, and some of that stuff. And then we can talk about what happened um, on Sunday and maybe what, what has changed from maybe how we feel even today. So for my dogs who are losing their shit, for all of you guys, for my, 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 illiterate technological brain causing the, the technological issues. Thanks to you guys. And uh, we'll be back again on, on, on Monday. And then we'll get into a, a, a super um, like repetitive schedule for the next few weeks leading up to the playoffs. Um, we'll do some playoff drafts, all sorts of fun stuff coming up. I'm excited to be back into it. Thanks guys. I will talk to you later.